0: Today, I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 16. Pastor George starts us on a new sermon series that looks at why the word hope is so misused in our society today. Let's listen together. Hope. Dimensions of hope. We're going to spend a few weeks on this subject. Hope is a very positive word, isn't it? Just saying it uh, kind of makes you smile, feel good. But it's also a very iffy word. The way we use the word hope in our everyday life is usually pretty hmm, insecure, uh, ephemeral, questionable. We might say, okay, I'm going out on this job interview, uh, hope for the best. Or, uh, well, um, I'm going to the doctor and I have slim hopes of getting good news. Or don't give up hope, or just I hope I hope by hope. I can't cross my fingers anymore, but the guy up there will for me. I don't know, I hope so. It's kind of like hope is the opposite of knowing, right? And the newscast that says hope is evaporating for the women in Afghanistan. Hope as something that's kind of disappearing. There's a famous poem by Emily Dickinson. She says, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without words and never stops at all. I mean it's a poem, it's a positive poem because it talks about the hope never stopping but it it seems so weak it's just a singing bird in a cage. The lottery is about hope and uh, Think about the odds of seeing this hope realized. I understand, um, according to one source, the odds are something like 292 million to one. According to this fellow, that still sounds pretty good. Yeah, we'll go out and buy a ticket, won't we? Or pull that lever or, or go to Las Vegas and invest a few dollars because of hope. Our American usage, would you put her up please? Thank you, I didn't wanna miss her with her fingers crossed. Our American usage, we say fingers crossed, right? I hope, I hope, I hope, lottery odds The opposite of a sure thing, it implies doubt, questionability, insecurity, anxiety. Biblical hope is nothing like that. Totally different from the way we use hope in everyday English. It's about security, it's about assurance, it's about confidence, it's about solid, dependable reality. And the reason why biblical hope is all of that is because of the Old Testament in your Bible. More specifically, is because of the Hebrew language. So all of you should go out and learn Hebrew. Uh, you'll be getting ready for heaven because Hebrew will be the language spoken in heaven, you know. I'm not sure of that. I can remember having taken in a college prep course back in those days in high school, having taken uh, German and Latin in high school, and then going to seminary and learning Greek, it was all interesting, but it was all something I had to do. But when I got into Hebrew, oh, something happened. Uh, There was a whole new world of meaning and understanding. And I'd like to show you how the word hope came into our English Bibles. We actually have the word hope translating, ultimately translating, seven different Hebrew words in the Old Testament. That's how many dimensions of biblical hope there are. And we're going to look at these three words in Hebrew, and I'm not going to give you the words, but they basically have an emphasis, one on trusting, the second one on waiting, And the third one on expecting. When uh, these were translated into Greek, unfortunately Greek only had one word and they used that word for all of these biblical ideas. And then when the English was translated from the Greek and the Latin, they also had the limited range of ideas and didn't have knowledge of the Hebrew, most of those translators. But these words talk about hope not as something if it's going to happen or even as when it's going to happen, but it's more about who is making it happen. I'd like to share this with you. The first word that you see up there, which I've defined as trusting, we find in a number of biblical passages, which in the Old Testament in the King James Bible are translated with hope. Most modern versions use the word trust or confidence. But here's a typical and wonderful verse, Psalm 16, beginning with verse eight. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, therefore my heart is glad And my glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. That hope, which is trust in God. That hope. Now, if you look at this psalm, starting in the beginning with verse one, you'll see that the the stage is set for this hope. In, In Psalm 16, verse one, protect me, O God for in you, I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. That's a choice. I am saying my hope is in you. My hope is not in the numbers of the lottery. My hope is not in some vague trust in the goodness of the future. My hope is in you. And this really comes out in verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion. Once again, I've made a choice. He is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. What is a lot? Well, it's, it's what they used to decide things between people, you cast a lot. It was usually a marked stone and you hoped you got the right stone. Well then it was used for playing games of chance and basically it's what we get our word lottery from. So you are my lottery. Are the odds 292 million to one? No, the odds are sure thing. Other verses use this same Hebrew Trust root, and one of them is Jeremiah 17. I think this one is interesting. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed is the one who trusts the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Now, this is interesting because that word is used twice here. The first time it's translated trust, second time hope. It's the same Hebrew word. So, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust the Lord is. It's the same word. The Lord is the hope. That's what the odds are like. The Lord himself is the basis of the hope. Now the other two words we're gonna look at, uh, the second one I've defined as waiting. Now there's not a whole lot of difference between these two Hebrew words. One is used a little more in religious context than the other in kind of everyday life. But I want you to notice these uh, wonderful passages of scripture. First, in Psalm 62, 5, uh, this is the second of those Hebrew words, waiting. For God alone, my soul waits. Now, that's not the word. Actually, this Hebrew word isn't there. For God alone my soul waits in silence. And here's the word, for my hope is from him, or my waiting, or my expectation is from him. My hope is not from the numbers, the odds, some friend, the possibility, the chance, that good things will happen tomorrow. My hope is from him. How solid is that waiting hope? He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. Look how strong these words are for hope. Rock, rock solid hope. Fortress, cannot be shaken. Deliverance, honor, mighty rock, refuge. And then verse eight, trust. Now this is our first word. Here translated trust. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He is our hope. If we have cast our lot with him, we have cast our lot for a sure thing. Psalm 71 uses this same word beginning in verse 4. Rescue me. Oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you are Lord, O oh Lord, are my hope. That's that word. My trust, that's the first word we had. O oh Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. I was with you who took me from my mother's womb. Now I'm interested in how often these words are used in combination so that you have two dimensions of hope mentioned right next to one another. The trust and the waiting, the expectation. My praise is continually of you. Many other verses in Proverbs that are that use this same word. And then in Job chapter eight, verse thirteen, as Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. No God, no hope. When God is present, sure hope. But you can wait all you want without God and your hope will not be fulfilled. And then there's a third word that adds a little different coloring to that waiting. It's kind of more expectant. It's with the goal in mind. And we see this in Psalm 39 and verse 7. And now, O Lord, what do I wait for? This is that third word. My hope. Now that, I mean, excuse me, that first wait is our second word. And now, O Lord, what do I wait for? And then it says, my hope is in you. That's our third word. So this Hebrew offers us many different colorations on the idea of hope. Several other passages have the two words together, these waiting and expecting words, Proverbs 10, 28, and 11, seven, for instance. And they're used many times, but over and over again, all of these Hebrew words that involve hope are connected with the very person of God. Our hope is in him. And there are a lot of believers. Actually, there was a movement in the early centuries of the church to say the New Testament has taken place of the Old Testament. We don't need the Old Testament anymore. And Turns out that led to some really bad teaching because without being rooted in the Old Testament, there are many themes in the New Testament which can be twisted. So the New Testament builds on Old Testament, not just on the history, not just on what God revealed through Abraham and Moses and the temple, but also on the richness of the language of the Old Testament. Some of the most Important and profound ideas in our faith come from the Hebrew language. The word love. Now we may know about the Greek word agape as an important aspect of love, but behind that is a Hebrew word which you have to kind of go like that to say chesed. And, and, and it gets the point across, that's the kind of love it is, it's throaty love, chesed. And we, we sometimes in the Old Testament it's translated covenant love, but that's kind of anemic. It's, it's chesed, it's God's grab you kind of love. And that comes from the Old Testament's richness. And then peace, I mean, what does shalom say? There's so many implications of biblical peace that are more more than just the absence of war and conflict. It's much deeper than that, much more profound. And then the very nature of God himself as a personal being who wants to connect with us. That's all in the Old Testament, the richness of the picture of Yahweh, the God of Israel, who wants to relate personally to his people, so like those concepts of of love and shalom and God's person personhood, the word hope also uh, just really has these deep roots in the richness of the Old Testament. Now, when the Jews were conquered by the Babylonians and taken into captivity, and then some of them dribbled back to the land, but The worship and the the culture of ancient Israel was uh, diminished and they never caught it again. The use of the Hebrew language became just something that scholars uh, did in libraries because the street language became Aramaic and the trade language was Greek. Everybody in the world knew Greek. So the power of the Old Testament Hebrew language was lost, and that's why it was very important for a a great translation of the Old Testament into Greek to come along, and that is known as the Septuagint, which those of you who can handle more than three syllables can take home and look up, but it, it really just means 70, because traditionally there were 70 translators, and we're talking about 250 years before Christ, and there was this classic translation of the Old Testament scriptures. First, the, the books of Moses, but then later all of the Old Testament. And this translation was able to speak to Jews in Babylon, in the Holy Land, and wherever they were spread throughout the world because that was happening as well. And so the Greek Septuagint became a language of Jewish faith. And then um, other languages began to translate the Bible and ultimately found our English Bible. Now a good part of our English Bible was translated not from the Hebrew but from the Greek through the Latin. And so you have this one word speaking for a complex group of, of meanings around hope, and so one Greek word came to mean those things. And then that Greek word was translated hope in English. So we lost a lot of those dimensions until people began to study more and more into the background of this wonderful word. Our American usage implies doubt, questionability, insecurity. That's the opposite of the Hebrew. Reading about hope in the Old Testament is an antidote for our American kind of fluffy hope that can be so easily dashed. If you want to get a hold of hope, read the Old Testament and feel it in its many dimensions. Christian hope is all connected with the person of God. So this is Christian hope. It doesn't have to do with things or circumstances. It doesn't have to do with timing. It's just a relationship with a personal, caring God who can be trusted. That's our hope. In a sense, there's no hope about it. It's a sure thing. Lord, we thank you for this insight through many generations of people looking for something to hold on to and discovering that isn't holding on to your hand. Now we find true hope. It's not about our experiences our good or bad fortune. It's not about wealth. It's not about comfort. It's about you. Thank you for personalizing our hope. Help us to always remember this. We don't have to have our fingers crossed, but we have to have them held by your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon. But if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at Aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.